In today's gospel, we hear of the calling of the first four apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all of whom were going about their daily work, and this random stranger comes up and says, come and follow after me. Now, if you were at work and someone came up to you and said, come, quit your job, come after me, you'd probably be like, and moving on. (laughs) But they recognized something different was going on here. And so when Christ called them, they left everything that they were doing. They left father, did the two sons of Zebedee, and they left and followed after Christ. They left to listen to his preaching. They left to hear his teaching, to see who it was and how it was they were being called to live by this person that they would become known as the Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. Now, just like those four apostles that were called in today's gospel, each and every one of us in this church who is baptized has received the same calling. Come, follow after me. In fact, when you are baptized, you are baptized as priest, prophet, and king. That you are given the ability and the grace to embrace the will and the word of God to begin to interpret what it means and then to go out and proclaim the good news. That good news that he went to preach to Galilee and Capernaum and all of the areas, that gospel of repentance, the gospel that the Lord speaks to each and every one of our hearts every day. But though each and every one of us are called in that special way to go and be priest, prophet, and king, God continues to then call up specific people in specific ways to go and teach and preach in different ways. In the 21st century, one of the biggest struggles that we have in the church is we don't have a lot of priests. We don't have enough priests. In fact, many people will say, God has stopped calling men to the priesthood. No. God continues to call the same men to the priesthood that he always has, but we get distracted in life. We begin to look at different things as having the more or same value, which every vocation in life has the same value before God, but God is calling specific people to specific vocations. And so in this year, how do we look to the young men in our parish? How do we encourage in them a potential vocation to the priesthood? I remember back when I was in seminary, some of my classmates said it was a difficulty for them to make that leap into seminary. And I said, well, what was the difficulty for you? They said, my parents were completely against it. I I was kind of baffled. It's like, what do you mean your parents were against it? Well, for a few of them, they said, well, I'm an only son, And my mom would rather me have grandchildren than be a priest. It's like, wait, I can understand that because you want to continue the line of your legacy. I understand that. But what better gift can a mother and father give than a son that they then give to God and his church? In fact, one of the parts of the ordination ritual is right after our hands are consecrated with the sacred chrism, we take this white cloth called the manaturgium, and we wipe those sacred chrism oils off on that. That when our mother dies, 
we bury that traditionally in her casket. Why do we do so? We do so to say, my mom loved me and loved you so much that she gave me you, that she gave you me, and so if there were any sins, let this sacrifice that she made help cover those. How beautiful is that? But then also, there's been a new tradition that's come up because you can't forget the fathers, of course. So the first stole that we use as a priest for confessions, we then bury with our fathers. In fact, that stole that I got that year that was buried with my dad when he died was the whole reason that my family, the year before dad died, had the whole conversation of, well, am I going to be buried And if so, like buried in a casket or buried or cremated, he said he looked up at the the, uh, fireplace where those two boxes of those gifts are, and he said, I looked up, and God gave me my answer. I'm going to be buried in a casket, because that's going to be buried with me, and that's going to be buried with your mother. We had that conversation a month before we got sick. But I say all of this to say, Do we foster vocations in our church? Now, here at St. Matthew's, we've had a few vocations as of late that have discerned the priesthood. We had Jacob Farney who came through and at that time realized, you know what? It's not the best for me right now. Still open in the future. So he still could possibly go back to seminary. He still could go on to the vocation of marriage. But he is seeing where the Lord is calling him. We had Father Simeon, Zach Spitz, who discerned what he thought was a vocation to the priesthood that became a vocation to the monastic life and then eventually to the priesthood. We have more than two people in this church that I guarantee you are called to the priesthood. In fact, I look around, and I'm not going to say names, so don't worry, but many of your children I've looked at and said, huh, there's something about them. And normally it's the, huh, I see me in them. Good luck. (laughs) Because I was a rebellious teenager. I didn't always listen to my parents. I was distracted all the time. I'm distracted all the time still now. But I see in sometimes the kids that people kind of give up on, myself. And it's like, ooh, that may be the Lord setting you aside and calling you to the priesthood. So if you are a young man and you are not currently married, not dating, don't care if you're dating or not, if you are currently not married, have you ever asked yourself the question, is God calling me to be a priest? Oh, Father, God would never call me to be a priest. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the ability to speak in front of people. I get anxious and I get nervous. By the way, I'm talking about myself. (laughs) But many times those are the excuses that we give. We give excuses for why God can't be calling us. Because Satan doesn't want you to fulfill that vocation. Because if we don't have priests, we don't have the Eucharist. In fact, many times we take for granted in the United States that we have Mass every Sunday. Did you know that there are dioceses in the United States that don't have Mass every Sunday because there aren't enough priests? In Alaska, in the giant diocese of Anchorage, 
They get Mass once a month right now. And the other three weekends of the month, they have communion services. Because the priest just is not able to get to all of the churches every month because sometimes weather, you think we have it bad, think about Alaska, most of them can't drive between parishes, so most of the priests in the Diocese of Anchorage have pilot's licenses so they can fly to their churches. It's like, ooh, that'd be so convenient. There's an there's a, um, airport right down the road. Ooh, I could do that. I don't want to be a pilot. But also, not only in the vocation of the priesthood, but in every vocation, God is calling each and every one of us to embrace his love. So young women, have you ever considered a vocation to the religious life? Think about the school systems that we have, good, bad, ugly, and different. Think about the hospital systems that we have. They would not exist if not for women who were devoted and selfless in service to God that gave their lives to teach, to heal, and to truly be the hands and feet of God. Ladies, God may be calling you to a vocation to being a sister or a nun. Oh, Father, God can't possibly be calling me. Yes, it can. And I guarantee you, someone in here, he probably is. But do we listen to what the Lord calls us to? But then, we have the other beautiful vocation of the sacrament of marriage, where most of us are called in our lives. But we are called to remember, what is our first vocation and calling in life? Not to marriage, not to religious life, not to, to the consecrated virginity, our first vocation and calling to life is a call to universal holiness. So how is it then that God is calling you through that call to holiness to live? How is he calling you to be and to exist and to embrace and to share that gift? Those of you who is calling to the sacrament of marriage He's calling you in the same way that he calls these young men and women to religious life. He's calling you to give up everything, to be selfless, to love. That is the call for each and every one of us in our lives. In fact, many marriages end in divorce because they forget that the whole purpose of the sacrament of marriage is to find the person that you were called to get to heaven. That's your purpose in the sacrament of marriage. So if you're dating someone right now and you don't even consider them someone you can help get to heaven, break up today. So we have a bunch of heartbreaks today, I think. But if you're looking at discerning the vocation of marriage and you're dating, good. But don't just look at what's good for you. Look at what's good for your future potential spouse. That that's the only reason we should ever date anybody. To quite literally pray the hell out of them. That, husbands, is your responsibility towards your wives, and wives, your responsibility towards your husbands. To pray the hell out of them. That hell may not be an option 
when the Lord calls them home. The hell may not even be on their mind, but instead, the love of God. I find it interesting and very, very important to look at the similarities between the sacrament of marriage and the sacrament of a vocation to a religious order or to a religious life. They're very similar. The two leave and become one in the sacrament of marriage. It's not about what he wants. It's not about what she wants. It's about what, as you would say in western Oklahoma, y'all can do best for each other. But it's the same way in a religious vocation. As a priest, it's not about what father wants is best. No. Many times we grow up with that mentality where the priest is always right. I'm not. In fact, many times I'm wrong. Many times I have no clue what I'm doing. Thank God for our parish council, finance council, women's guild, food bank, Knights of Columbus, office staff, choir. You guys keep me in balance. Thank you. But how is it that the Lord is calling us to be selfless? The world wants us to ask the question, what's in it for me? But with the Lord, the answer is always the same. Happiness, peace, joy, mercy, love, kindness, generosity. The gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit that are given to us by God are what help us to truly look at that vocation and call to holiness in a new way. But Father, not everyone's called to holiness, are they? I mean, you mentioned in the beginning you'd be baptized. No, 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 no. What I said was when you were baptized, you were baptized as a priest, prophet, and king. Every person created in the image and likeness of God is called to holiness. Well, who's created in the image and likeness of God? Yes. Everyone. Every person that is a human being is created in the image and likeness of God. Just yesterday in downtown Oklahoma City, many members of the faithful from the state of Oklahoma gathered at St. Joe's Old Cathedral to celebrate Mass, to celebrate the dignity of the human person, to celebrate life. That that is a gift given to us by God. But just like every other gift that we have in our lives offered to us by God, Many times we take it for granted. We take for granted the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. That some of us he has made as great teachers and catechists. Some of us he has made as great mothers. Some of us he has made as great fathers, doctors, lawyers. He has called us all in whatever manner we are looking at as our physical vocation, what we do to do so the best that we can, not because others deserve it, but because God loves us. And because of that, we are called to give from what we have first received. That in the, the life that we have been given, God has instilled in us this natural dignity. But does He give that dignity to everybody, Father? Yes, He does. But what about those that I don't like? They probably don't like you too, but yes, he gives it to both of you. 
He gives that to everyone. And so he calls us to the sanctity of life. From conception to natural death and every moment in between. Abortion is not lifting up the dignity of the human person. The fact that we can't feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick, give drink to those that are thirsty, the fact that we have the death penalty still, these are not embracing that dignity of the human person. We are instead trying to play God. And we see this throughout our society that we don't need God anymore. We are a post-Christian community. You heard that before, that we live in a post-Christian world? How terrifying is that? That sounds like hell on earth to me. Because if there is no Christ, there is no reason for hope. But there is a Christ, so we can have hope. Hope that this life isn't everything. Hope that the Lord will finally come back a second time and save us from ourselves and allow us to be with him eternally in paradise. So how do we get a glimpse at that? Well, first we come to the sacrament of the Eucharist where the heavens open up and the angels and saints are present Because Christ, our Savior, is present. But then what do we do with it? The last words that the priest or deacon say at Mass are what? Go in peace. Our last words, many times, we take out of context. What are the last words that we say before the recessional hymn? When I say go in peace, the people say... Thanks be to God. How many times are we subconsciously saying, thanks be to God, we are done? Instead of, thanks be to God, I can take what I've received and go and preach the gospel. Thanks be to God for all of the blessings that I've received in my life, especially those that I don't even recognize. Thanks be to God for my family. Thanks be to God for my faith. Thanks be to God that the Lord knew that we could not do this on our own, so he gives us the Holy Spirit as our advocate and guide. Thanks be to God that he sent his son to save us from eternal damnation and sin. Thanks be to God that he gives us our vocations to bring us joy in our lives. I was talking about this in the office the other day, and someone in the office said, Father, We might have more priests if we had more joyful priests. I said, and am I not joyful? They kind of looked at me and said, eh. It's like, oh. And in the midst of that, I said, well, what is it that people see when they see a priest? Who is it that they see when they see a priest? For me, my goal is I want you to see someone that's broken, I want you to see someone that struggles in life. I don't want you to see the perfect image that we see in those movies from the 40s and 50s because that's not true. We as priests, believe it or not, 
We're human. We're sinners. We have good days and we have bad days just like everyone else. But just like husbands in their vocation of marriage, where you have good days and bad days, when we find the right person, the right place, the right vocation, even though things may not be perfect, we have joy in our hearts. We have joy in our life. But just like many times you can't see it in your spouse, sometimes we got to talk about it. So I'm talking about it today. Thank you. We're coming up on me being here for two years in just three weeks. Can you believe it's already been two years? I can't believe it's only been two years some days. But it's been such a blessing to be your pastor. This last week, I had the opportunity in Woodward to meet with the deans or with the um, priests from our deanery, which is Elk City, Woodward, um, Clinton, Weatherford, Alva, and Guyman. We got together and started talking about our parishes and how we can love our people. And they said, well, we just finished our end-of-year surveys. What would you guys put on yours? Because every year in December, we, we get a survey that says, do you want to stay? Do you want to leave? Are you open to whatever the bishop needs? I said, if you move me, I will kill you. I didn't say that, (laughs) but I was thinking it. I said, do not move me, because I have a firm belief, and I brought this up at that meeting as well as with my pre-support group on Friday evening. I said, I think one of the struggles with the vocations that we have in our diocese is that there's uncertainty of priests, that priests move too often, that people can't see what a priest is, how a priest lives. In fact, at my last assignment, I had two families say, Father, I don't like what you do, but that's okay. I will outlast you. And it broke my heart. Because what it meant was, in me, they didn't see the face of God. In me, they didn't see that what I was doing wasn't about me, it was about us. And that's many times the struggle with moving priests and priests and priests and priests and priests too often. So I've told the bishop, whether he listens or not, it's another story, don't move me. Now don't worry, I'm not moving that I know of. I haven't heard anything, not trying to give you that warning. But my hope is to be here for a long time. My goal is if I have baptized you, I can be here for your graduation. I've never lived anywhere for more than five years of my life, though, so bear with me. I don't know what it looks like. But just like when you get married, you have your honeymoon phase, and you have the honeymoon period, and then the tough work gets done, we're going to have good days, we're going to have bad days, but the Lord still calls us to love each other, and to work together. So young people, boys, if you've never considered a vocation to being a priest, my request is that you pray about that today. Don't have to do it tomorrow, but today. See if God is calling you to be a priest. Ladies, you're not off the hook. (laughs) If you've never thought, and even if you have thought, that God could be calling you to a religious vocation, my message for you today, my request for you today, pray. See if God could possibly be calling you 
to a vocation to religious life. If you're dating, you aren't off the hook. If you're dating someone right now, as a couple and individually, your mission today is to pray for each other. If you aren't married, to pray that God may help you see in the other person, not someone to save, but someone to give your very life for. If that's not the person that you're dating and you can't see that in each other, God may be giving you your answer. Married couples, you're not off the hook either. Because each and every day, the Lord is calling you to love each other. So your task today, and hopefully every day hereafter, talk to your spouse today about how they can help you get to heaven. Talk to your spouse today about things that you're struggling with in your faith. Talk to your spouse today about things you're struggling with in your life. And then, here's the hard part. Pray for each other. Every day. We hear that old saying, that old adage, the family that prays together stays together. Well, I pray for you every day. I hope you pray for me. Because I want us to stay together for a long time. But no matter where we are in life, how is the Lord calling you to holiness today? Listen, heed that call, and love your neighbor.